Welcome to this special edition of Culture Changers and with the historic ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade, the right for women to have access to abortions has now been taken away throughout most of the nation. And I imagine if you're listening to this and listening to this specifically, you are angry or maybe you're, I don't know, you might be hate listening to me. I don't know. But I imagine if you're listening to this and you clicked play and saw the Roe v. Wade title, you're probably very angry, really angry, and maybe feeling a little helpless with so much hanging in the balance. And you're wondering, how can I help? And can anything I do even make a dent? And so I'm going to be doing my best to be articulate here, but the truth is I am so furious that I'm just seeing red. All I see is red, and I'm not entirely sure in string coherent words together, but I'm going to try, and I've got some notes to help keep me on task, and I've spent the day pulling resources, researching, and trying to compile some ways that can really move the needle. And I wanted to get really real in this episode, and I specifically wanted to empower those who have never really gotten involved before. Not because you don't want to, but because you don't know how, or you felt like it was really risky to get involved or be too public on this. And that I totally get and will address. And I've got some good news for you and some possibilities to consider. And one of the reasons why I started Culture Changers three years ago, it's because I wanted to make a bigger impact than just voting. And while this is not a political podcast, it was born out of political frustration. And I wanted to energize you today and give you clear tools on what you can do right now. Because the truth is, your voice and your actions are needed. And there is some creativity that you might have at your fingertips that could really start to help right away that maybe you haven't thought of. And that's what I wanted to address today. So some of you may be familiar with Sean King. He's a very famous activist and he had broken down four components that are needed to make an impact. These are things that help create the change we want to see. They're the ones that help win elections. They help overturn rulings to change laws. And there are four things. And the first thing is to, you need to energize people. And I imagine that, yes, we're all energized all right now. So, uh, you know, check, check, check it, check, check, check. We are energized. The second is that you have to be deeply, deeply organized. And that's the part where it gets dicey. And this is the part where I have some possibilities that I think will be helpful. The third is that you have to have a plan, but that plan has to be as complex as the problem itself. And this problem is very complex. So first is energize people. The second, you need to be deeply organized. The third, you need to have a complex plan. And the fourth is resources. You need money. You need hands. You need people to do that. So do you want to hear the good news about this? Three of these are already done. You aren't out here waving your flag by yourself and shouting out into the ether, hoping somebody will listen and join you. Let me explain. This ruling is not a surprise. It's a surprise to nobody. And there are organizations like Planned Parenthood, Emily's List, and NARAL that have been planning this for decades. They are deeply, 
deeply, deeply organized. And they have a complex plan. And I've linked a dynamic list of resources that will continually be updated in the show notes and in my Instagram link. So you can go to Instagram uh, or my profile page, click on the links and get to it right now. But the easiest and quickest way to help if you have the resources is to contribute whatever you can to any or all of these organizations. So obviously donating money, that's kind of the easy part. It really goes a long way. It makes a big difference, especially when you've got an organization and people that are organized that can move right into action. So it's not you trying to get some groundswell. It's already been done and kind of defined. This is just helping fund the movement. Let me talk about some other ways that you may or may not have considered before. And before I do, I want to say that me personally, I'm in a new position on this. I have recently left my corporate job and I personally think I would have, I would filter so much of what I would publicly talk about because I was employed. And I would think very deeply and be very, very calculated with my communications because if I said what I really think, I might offend my mother, who uh, is no longer alive. May she rest in peace. And I, uh, as a sidebar, her passing, I feel like um, she's emboldened me, her passing, because and not that she would be offended. You know, I think she'd actually be delighted by, uh, by my boldness, but I just didn't want to do it while she was alive. So I understand for some of you may have people in your life that you're afraid that you're going to offend. So I get that. But even more so, I was very afraid to put anything remotely political on socials for fear that it would jeopardize my employment options. So I know that fear is very real for many, many of you. And I want to address this right up front. I know for myself, I feel way more emboldened. I feel that I no longer have any oversight. So being more free with sharing how I feel has really felt empowering. And I still want to be very respectful. You know, sometimes my anger can get the best of me and, uh, and I can say things and I'm trying to, trying to be more mindful and make this more of an active practice to share how I feel, but more often than just sharing how I feel, but it's like sharing how to help, you know, that that's my position here in culture changers is how do you change the culture? And that involves how do we do, what do we do ourselves? And that that's kind of where, where I stand. But what I really wanted to share is that crawling under a rock or sharing memes on social media or just complaining on a private text string can feel good for self-preservation, but is no longer enough. It is no longer enough. And I remember when the Brett Kavanaugh hearings were happening with Christine Blasey Ford. And, you know, the Me Too movement was at a fever pitch. This was 2018. It never felt so personal. So many of my friends were vulnerably sharing their own stories of terror, of abuse, of things that they've kept for decades in many cases. And they were sharing about their abusers, about their experience and how viscerally it felt to watch these hearings and see essentially this guy kind of laugh it off, you know? And and again, it felt like a blow to women. And I have my very own story, you know, similar to Christine Blasey Ford that I had also shared, but I, you know, I generally 
am not a crier, but every night I would cry myself to sleep because I'd be on Facebook and I'd be reading these, you know, these, these just raw posts from friends who were sharing it publicly for the first time and just feeling so much empathy, so much pain, so much, uh, you know, hurt and wanting to help. And the pain was so palpable. I just wanted to, to help in some way. And at the time I didn't have my podcast and, you know, I had never gotten involved in elections, you know, before, but I was also annoyed at all the lip service, you know, and outrage that I experienced, not only for myself, I was mad at myself, you know, but with many others, like the lip service and outrage, arguing with others, but no solutions. And if you remember, you know, kind of the Trump era, where for the first time you'd have family members that were being in communities and friendships and relationships that were being ripped apart because people were boldly sharing how they felt and they felt so diametrically opposed to how you felt. And then it was like this devolving that would happen on social media. And it, it, it just is, is terrible. And at the time, Stacey Abrams was running against in, in Georgia, in the state of Georgia, against uh, the secretary of state at the time who oversaw elections. His name uh, is Brian Kemp. And they were both running for the, the governor's seat of Georgia. And it was a very tough race. And I felt like my outrage for Trump winning the election in 2016 and the devolving of all these relationships in America as a result, was just too much to bear. I wanted to help with Stacey's campaign to win Georgia. Um, I was for Stacey. It wasn't the lesser of two evils, I believe, in, uh, in what she had stood for. And I have zero background in elections and politics, none of it. I just couldn't sit idly by anymore. And so I figured if I'm capable, why not me? My rage was just overflowing. And I just couldn't just bitch about it and on socials anymore. It was really important to get involved. And so it felt good to help. It felt good that me sitting around bitching to my friends wasn't where my anger ended. I could use my anger for good. And I will say that Stacy losing that election in 2018 by a very narrow margin was a big blow for Georgia. And for me, it sent me scared. It sent me back scared to get involved again in causes that I believe in because it might not work. But, you know, even with things I feel really passionate about, gun control, gun laws, or having, you know, uh, having it be harder to have assault rifles be available, so easily available, you know, like there are things that I would feel so passionate about, but just I, I don't know that I could get out there again and do it. But you know what I realized, especially with this coming back again and all these school shootings and, you know, and Roe v. Uh, v. Wade being overturned, it's the completely wrong attitude. I convinced myself that I would just let the pros and people that cared more, had more time, you know, people that could do it, people who were tougher than me, you know, they could handle it, but that's not okay anymore. It's not okay. And your rage... And your relentlessness is what wins elections. Our rage, our relentlessness, meaning you don't stop, meaning you start incorporating some of these activities into your everyday life 
until it's a cacophony that cannot be ignored. That is how things change. So I'm inviting you today to turn your rage into action. And the only way we win our rights back is when we come together and we fight. And in my opinion, the Democratic Party isn't doing enough because we're so afraid to offend anyone. And we're trying to find some middle ground and kind of, you know, appease everybody and include everyone, but it is hurting us. And the Republican Party lives on the offense all the time. Take no prisoners. That is what we need to do. That does not mean to be an a-hole. Not at all. It does mean to rise up higher and be more bold. You can still be respectful, but it's time to use our voices in a more powerful and pointed and collective way. You are capable. Why not you? You are capable. Why not you? And famous organizational psychologist Adam Grant just wrote about this topic and it just hit me over the head. He said, outrage is not an irrational emotion. It's a reasonable response to watching one of your core values be violated. Without righteous indignation, there is no motivation to fight for freedom and fairness. Through history, progress has always been fueled by fury at the status quo. I'm going to say that again. Without righteous indignation, there is no motivation to fight for freedom and fairness. Through history, Progress has been fueled by fury at the status quo. Ah. It actually, reading that kind of gave, gave me permission. It gave me permission, that righteous indignation. And, and instead of feeling like, you know, I don't want to offend these people. And these are people I really care about. And I don't want them to think the wrong thing. You know, sometimes you just have to push the edge a little bit. And I'm in a position right now where I can push the edge. Some of you may not be, and that's okay. And if you are not be and you want to be louder in those ways, I want to hear from you. I hope that you'll send me a note. Go to allisonhair.com or hit me up, uh, DM me on Instagram at allison underscore underscore hair. Um, and let me be your voice for you because I am in this position that I'm very grateful to have. I don't know if I will always have it. I don't know if it'll come back and bite me. I kind of think it will not, um, but I've got it and I'm going to use my voice here. But in the meantime, I've linked a comprehensive list of resources and ways to get involved and that list will continually be updated. It's in the show notes and it's going to be, uh, it's in my Instagram links as well. So there's tons of resources, books, knowledge, data, ideas, uh, you know, like the states, all kinds of things, laws um, that'll help you understand it. But in the meantime, I did want to share some other important ways that you may not have thought of that can help and ways that are beyond just donating money. And let me be clear, donating money, especially to the organizations that I linked in those, uh, in that resource, um, can go a long way. They're organized. They've got a plan. They are well-equipped to go forward with it and move further faster. So every dollar counts if you have the resources to give. And so I'm going to give you 10 ways, 10 ways that you may not have thought of. One is first and foremost, apathy is no longer an option. We cannot ignore this moment and wait for it to calm down 
and let others who are more committed get involved and we are on to the next thing. I know it feels intense and it feels scary to do that, but the time is not now. This is the only time that you are energized enough to be able to continue doing this. Some of these practices need for it to be incorporated into our daily lives and that solidarity of doing it with other people and commitment is needed. So that's the first thing. Apathy is no longer an option. So if you're committed to move, let's move. I'm going to give you nine other ways. The second, what talents do you have to offer? Can you write? Are you a photographer? Are you good with photography? Do you have digital capabilities? Can you do design? Maybe you have a background in marketing. Are you a good listener? You can connect with reproductive justice organizations and offer them whatever talents or resources you have or that you can give and let them help you get involved. It makes such a huge impact when you just think of what am I good at? Just ask those questions. What am I good at? What resources do I have? How can you lend your talents to somebody who may need it? Um, I think it'll make a huge difference. What uh, And... By the way, when you engage in whatever way, whether it's big or small, every single one of us making what seems like something minor, a small choice, makes a huge difference. Do not let apathy or a cynical viewpoint get in the way of you helping. I think that really is the challenge, that cynical viewpoint, apathy, you know, those kind of things, that is like really the the criminal here. So we have to be more activated. We have to stay energized with this, stay in the game, stay committed, and continually engage. There are a lot of ways I'm going to address on how to do that from here. So the third thing, so second is what talents do you have to offer? The third, are you willing to open your home? Do you have an extra room or a spare couch? Can you offer someone shelter? that uh, can help save someone who is in this position who may need an abortion, maybe in a place where you can save them on hotel costs? Do you have a, you know, a car where you might offer assistance? So I want you to be thinking through what are some ways, you know, maybe it is just a shelter that can really make a huge impact, help somebody in need. That is number three. Are you willing to open your home? Is there something you can offer to help somebody get from point A to point B or maybe save on travel and expenses, on lodging, food? Can you offer somebody a meal? Those kind of things. Number four, have you had an abortion? This one is tough, but I think it makes a big difference to normalize talking about it. I know that is huge for some of you because there's so much shame that can happen in talking about it or admitting it or admitting you were in a position where you had to make a decision that was best for you or best for the baby or best for everyone involved. You know, um, normalize talking about it. Sharing those stories is what humanizes us and humanizes this Um you know, in a way that can help change people's perspective. The more we talk about it, the more you empower others to share their stories. So I think normalized, normalizing talking about it is a really, really big way. And so be there for somebody else who talks about it as well. Um, number five, pill 
or medical abortions. You can be creative here and you can buy up pills right now through the mail. There are ways to buy abortion pills um, and offer it to those who may not be able to get it. If you're a medical professional, you can become a plan C. I think it's called plan C uh, is the medical abortion or pill abortions um, is you can become a plan C ambassador. And again, uh, you know, become an, uh, uh, become a resource for education around this and connect with reproductive justice organizations, uh, to help, to help get, uh, education in there. And then number six is elections. So elections, I know we hear the first thing we hear is vote, 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 vote. Yes, 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 yes. You need to vote. But when you vote, that does not mean that you go down the list blindly and just, you know, vote Democrat and assume they are pro-choice. There are uh, a lot of pro-life Democrats as well. So do your homework. There are some governor elections right now that are unbelievably important. Michigan, vote for Governor Gretchen Whit- Whitmer. Arizona, candidate Katie Hobbs. Wisconsin, Governor Tony Evers. Georgia, my girl Stacey Abrams. Pennsylvania, candidate Josh Shapiro. And Kansas, vote Governor Laura Kelly. Now, there are also some other places where there are some races that are really important. In Ohio, uh, voting Tim Ryan. Uh, is really important in Georgia to reelect the senators, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, um, for Senate race is going to be critical for this. In Iowa, House and Senate votes count. And also, if you live in a blue state, adopting a neighboring swing state, state if you live uh, in a blue state or somewhere where you feel safe, devote some attention to it. See what you can do to help Um, with neighboring states, whether it's education, whether it's financially, whatever resources you can offer, even if it is, you know, kind of using your talents, if you, you know, are an attorney or, uh, you know, can help or a medical professional or somewhere where you can offer your talents, I would call again, reproductive offices or, you know, find out who, uh, who those people are on those ballots um, that make a huge difference. Focus on your local elections. There are two elections a year and the primaries are critical and the local ones are critical and important for this as well. So uh, voting is important. I will say that voting is essential, but it is not sufficient. So what that means is you absolutely need to vote, um, but voting is not enough. It's not enough. We need the rest. We need the rest of you as well. And this one, you may be surprised that I'll have on this list and it's men. And uh, I'm going to share a story about this because I think that men being allies is huge and also normalizes it as well. And I'll give you an example. Some of you may or may not be fans of Howard Stern. I've been a fan of Howard Stern since I was 12 years old and would skip school and listen to him on my Walkman, uh, walking around in the woods waiting for um, whoever to pick me up because I was skipping school. But anyway, he uh, has evolved quite a bit. And I would venture to say that Howard Stern is probably done the most for feminism than you would ever, ever imagine. And yes, you heard that right. Now, before you decide, what? This girl's crazy. Lee, hear me out. So if you remember, 
as you can imagine, his, his fan base, Howard Stern's fan base, has historically always been very male-dominated, white males, and in many cases, blue-collar white males. And while he hasn't always been this way, he started passionately advocating for women and for gays, for trans people. His listeners were called to rethink their position from a powerful and influential man, one that they were deeply, deeply, deeply loyal to, that all of a sudden he changed his tune and the way he approached it, approached women was so, uh, was so much more gracious and required them to rethink their position. So I say that today, Howard Stern is beyond respectful to his wife, and his daughters, and Robin Quivers, his sidekick. He no longer speaks about women in degrading terms. And, you know, by the way, that was very popular in his heyday back in the culture many, many years ago. And his heyday is still happening. I know that sounds crazy. If you uh, are not a listener, you probably have wondered where he went or that he is no longer relevant, but he is unbelievably relevant and one of the most powerful voices out there. But his speaking up had way more effect than, let's say, Lena Dunham did. You know, Lena, Lena Dunham does, who has a predominantly liberal female, you know, base that essentially she's preaching to the choir where Howard Stern is converting because he is, is, uh, was bucking status quo by saying what people didn't expect him to say by respecting women. So, if you have men in your life, or if you are indeed a man and you're listening or watching this, I would encourage you to please speak up in support, normalize it, be an ally. It makes a huge difference. We need all hands on deck. And men are incredibly important to this movement as well. Um, to be supportive, to not be dismissive, to not mansplain, thank you, um, but to be supportive in this. And then number eight, host a roundtable briefing. You can do this in your community or in your industry. You can quickly throw something together on Zoom. And, you know, you might come of like, hey, this is important. If you feel this is important to you, let's get on Zoom. Let's put our heads together. We'll put our talents together. We'll get some ideas and we will put an action plan together. So it is an easy way to do it, but it does help people who are mobilized to act. And I know even with your personal, I'm in sales, so I, uh, you know, kind of watch this and understand this very well. So let's say you send out a group text to your community. All you need is one person to say, yes, I'll do it. And the rest will say, okay, yes. So that's how you start to build up uh, a, a storm of people is by just one uh, one person saying yes publicly. So that's kind of how the fire starts. So please invite it, invite uh, people to join and do uh, or host a roundtable briefing. And then number nine, your company, where you work. Ask your company what their position is on reproductive freedom and how the company plans to address it. Now, you may work for small companies. I've worked for very, very big uh, high-tech companies where they were very high-profile so there were a lot of uh, all hands calls and those kind of things and ways that you can submit questions to the CEOs. So I was always surprised and admired people that would, would push their companies and their company leaders on where they stood on 
controversial topics, things that really did impact the culture. But the truth is, money and the companies and corporations are what define a lot of these laws. And they define a lot of the uh, political figures that are in office today um, and how they act on that. So having pressure from the employees make a huge impact on this as well. And it can be tricky with work. And I've actually linked resources on this. So in that uh, resource sheet that I found, it's from, what's it called? It's called LA's LA Women's Collective is the the resource, the Fall of Row resource guide. And so they actually put together some scripts and some ways to help um, kind of uh, artfully handle this in a work situation without, uh, you know, blowing up your, your own work spot. But, um, but having that address it publicly uh, and that pressure from employees makes a huge impact. So please use your voice and speak up there. And then number 10, finally, spending your money. I actually think the best way to protest is not with pickets and signs. I, I actually personally question that myself. I think it is more of preaching to the choir thing, although there is visibility. I do think it's more of like a, a Vietnam War kind of thing that was way more effective then. Um, but I, I, am, uh, I have concerns over traditional protests. But I think a real protest and one that really, really makes a difference is with your wallet. And where are you spending your money? Are you spending money with companies that are supporting their employees? Are you withholding money from companies that are staying silent or not have or has a position that you don't agree with? So I uh, which companies are supporting their employees and communities in support of abortion rights? Dick Sporting Goods made a public statement announcing they will cover abortion costs. I think it's up to four thousand dollars for any employee that needs it. Amazon, J.P. Morgan Chase, Apple, Disney, Google, Bungie, Microsoft, Paramount, Comcast, Vox are all in support of reproductive freedom. This is just a limited list um, that I found. So please keep checking back and see you know what's out there as well. Do a quick Google search. See if there are any places you're spending your money with that are staying silent. And the truth is that money is what always influences change. Be mindful of where you spend your money and where you withhold it. Personally, I'd love to see a large-scale organized walkout for companies that are staying silent from their employees. That's a real protest, and those are the protests that work. Now, there. so those are the top 10, right? So I'm going to put this in blog format as well, so you'll have access to that. You'll have the resources in the show notes. Uh, I've linked that and also an Instagram uh, Instagram links as well. There's so many other ways to help. And what I'm hoping for is um, if you have ideas, put them in the comments or DM me or share them, share them, share them with your own network, share them in your own public forums. The most important things is please speak up and do something. You cannot stay silent anymore if this is important to you. So, you know, like I said, I've linked the info in the show notes and that document, which offers insight into the ruling, books on the topic, scripts, voting, cheat sheets, and ideas that are going to be continuously updated. But most of all, do not stay silent. If not you, who? Why not you? If you're capable, if you're not, if you're capable, why not you? 
So be creative, create some time, call your local and state representatives. I used to hear the phrase, the loudest personality wins. And that is true in Trump's world. Honestly, he was the loudest. And now we have a, and it doesn't matter what he was saying. There was nobody questioning that what he said was not the truth or that he didn't lie from time to time or all the time. You know, he was just so loud and so confident about it. Um, And now we have the chance to have our voices heard, but we need to do it together. Each person, you included, you cannot sit on the sidelines. If this means something to you, you must act. And for more, go to allisonhair.com. I will be posting only solutions from now on. And I'm going to try and stop doing memes that, again, feel really good. But I'm going to only be posting solutions from now on. So I would love to hear yours and we can share and have a network of this. But uh, I thank you for listening, watching, and can't wait to see what we can do together.